0: In a study by the World Health Organization in 2017, around 30% of women in a relationship was globally reported that they experienced some form of physical or sexual violence by an intimate partner in their lifetime. Silence hides Violence is a podcast series on domestic violence against women in marriage.
1: We seek to educate, enlighten, and speak up against domestic violence.
0: I am your host, Eneo asuko of the Meeting With An Exit Podcast.
1: And I am Abigail Onwe of Talk It Out with Abitalko Podcast.
0: The Violence Against Person Prohibition Act defines domestic violence as any act perpetrated on any person in a domestic relationship where such act causes harm or may cause imminent harm to the safety, health, or well-being of any person. In a study by the Lagos State Domestic and Sexual Violence Response Team showed that in 2021, the agency dealt with 2,584 domestic and sexual violence cases for adults, out of which women were the greatest victims with 2,349 cases. Domestic violence is prominent in Nigeria and in many parts of Africa, there is a deep cultural belief in Nigeria that it is socially acceptable to eat a woman in the name of discipline. It can take many forms including physical, sexual, emotional and mental. The common forms of violence against women in Nigeria are rape, acid attacks, molestation, wife beating, and corporal punishment.
1: Cases of domestic violence is on a high and shows no sign of reduction in Nigeria regardless of the age, the tribe, the religion, or even social status. Unfortunately, violence against women is real and it's a global health concern, and intimate partner violence remains the most prevalent. Yet, intimate partner violence is the least recognized type of human abuse in the world.
0: We spoke with Barrister Biola Olowu, a legal officer at the National Human Rights Commission of Nigeria, on the possible causes of domestic violence in marriage.
2: Depending on the situation of the family, of that particular marriage, there are actually different root causes of domestic violence in each marriage where abuse is occurring. And But some of the ones I can really relate with from my experience and interactions with um, people in abusive marriages, one is um, anger and frustration. Then there's Upbringing and um, society. Society believes. Let me say. I think I can still bring that under upbringing. Then there is um, abuse of alcohol and narcotics. And another one that people don't really focus on is settling in marriage. I will get to that. For the anger and frustration, this is usually caused by sometimes by lack of job or lack of financial stability in the family when there is no when the finances in the family are not meeting up with the needs of the family the breadwinner, and that is the man usually gets frustrated and from there because they can't take their frustration out on their bosses or on other people outside they come home to take it out on their wife even sometimes they go beyond just taking it out on their wife they take it out on the children that is one root cause of domestic violence that is very prevalent in our society. That is Nigeria. Then you have um, upbringing, which can also be related to family traits. Most and my, my boss then used to say something like, a child's upbringing, only the, when a child is brought up in a violent home, there are two things involved. The child either goes the violent way in their own marriage too, Or they go the exact opposite, like define things like that, disgusting and irritating. But the unfortunate thing is 70% or don't let me assume too much, 60% of the people who grew up in violent um, homes, they tend to go the violent way too. It is what they are used to. Their makeup is already like that. Like their, their brain already functions in that way. Like the best way to solve things is to use force, just shut the other person up with force and so you, you see people decent looking men outside in the society you get to their home and you realize that they are violent and unruly that is another thing upbringing, family traits, then you have um. you have the matter of settling in marriage I said it before that most people don't Take this seriously. Most people, when you talk about um, affection or what you call love in marriage, most people tend to raise eyebrows and go like, "Is it love people want to eat in marriage? Is it affection people want to eat?" But the fact is that that sometimes matters a lot. Friendship in, before marriage between partners matters a lot. Take for example, we realize that some of the cases that come into our office, when you when you Try to investigate how they met and how their relationship was from the beginning. You find out that most of them are marriages that were probably not directly arranged, like in the in the olden days, but they end up getting married because they just want to fulfill that family expectation of you're supposed to be married at a certain age, you're supposed to be settled down already at this age, so they just. You get someone, they think, oh, this lady seems responsible. She's from a responsible home. So they get married and then they settle down. And after that, they just feel that is it. They fulfill their obligation. The woman has given birth. They are bringing money home so they can do what they like now. They can, The men feel they can start living the way they want to live now. And that is very dangerous because every woman who gets married also expects faithfulness in their marriage. They, they expect to have... Happiness in their marriage, and one of a woman's definition of happiness in the marriage is having a faithful man, having a man that is always there for his family, not a man that brings in money and then decides it is the woman's job to take care of the family, to take care of her own emotional needs, too. And then they decide they can go out and do whatever they like. That is not what a woman expects from marriage. And so, by the time the woman starts making demands for this. By the time the woman starts making demand for attention for the man to play their fatherly role in the family, frustration starts setting in, misunderstanding starts coming in. The man starts getting angry, thinking to himself, I already provided enough for you. I already do my duties as a father by bringing money to the house. Do your duty as a mother, raise the children and just be okay. You having enough money to eat and buy clothes should be enough for you. So they feel they can they, they can start cheating, infidelity comes in, arguments comes in, misunderstanding comes in, and by the time the woman starts raising objection, they just decide the best way to settle it is is violence. Beat her up to keep her quiet. So those are one of the those are one of the major root causes of violence in our society right now, at least in Nigeria. There's a conflict that goes on every day
0: throughout homes, in the, throughout the world, in particular in Africa.
2: When we look at the issues of domestic violence, it's what I call the secret sin because it happens in so many families and so many communities around the world where women are just, and sometimes men actually, are not allowed to live with their own free will, with their own decisions in peace and with respect and with dignity.
0: Well, in Nigeria, the statistics are quite
2: horrendous. For example, over 50% of women are routinely abused by their husband. One in every two women that you see walking around the street are potentially abused by their spouse.
1: Hundreds of women go through the ordeal of domestic violence in marriage and sometimes die in the process. The question is why? Why do they stay in such an abusive marriage that sometimes leads to death? Why do they choose to embrace and tolerate the pain?
3: Okay, so why most women remain in an abusive marriage? Children, the children. Women are known for putting their children first. Even if they have to sacrifice themselves for their children, they will do that. Now they want their children to have a father. They don't want them to be seen as someone from a broken home, just like themselves. So they stay, thinking they can also protect their children from the hands of their father. My name is Comfort James. I'm a psychologist. Well, one of the first reasons is fear of the future. Some people are afraid of what the future holds for them. They're afraid of leaving the marriage. What will happen to me if I leave? How would would I get a hang of my life? Things would have shattered. You you know? Fear. That fear is like a very major factor. And spiritual misleadings. Some people tell them, pray. Keep praying. There is hope. There is hope. God will do it. God is able. Like that. You see, interestingly, thank God most churches now tell us the truth. They tell us separate if you have to. You don't have to die in marriage. So stop being misled by people that are not very knowledgeable. Stop making them tell you there is hope when you know that the truth is you should leave. cannot say poor education. Some poor are not exposed. Because they are not exposed, and in terms of um, knowledge about these things, it's, it's zero. Because of that, they remain there because they don't have the knowledge, because they are not exposed. They are limited. They don't see beyond. They don't see a bigger picture. They don't see beyond a particular level.
2: Well, from my experience as a legal officer and my interactions with abused women generally, I would say most abused women decide themselves to stay in abusive marriages for different reasons, yeah. They choose to enjoy abusive relationships and the most common reason is the fact that they feel ashamed and responsible for the fact that their marriage is not working out the way they dreamed it. They feel ashamed to open up to others and admit that they need help actually so they choose to stay in the relationship and just endure the abuse instead of crying out for help then another common reason though is the fear from is the fear of the unknown they, they are afraid of what will happen after they go for a divorce or a separation from the abusive partner so because of this reason they tend to just stay in the relationship and just enjoy it if you study the case of abused um, women you find out that many of them are not financially independent and since they depend on their husband or partners for their upkeep and that of their children they become fearful of what will happen to them should they choose to leave the marriage or should they should they choose to leave the man we had a case like that at our commission a few months ago The woman had come into the commission with her sister, I think it was even the sister that convinced her to take that step after being abused, battered by her husband the day before. Though that was not, we later found out that that was not the first time it was happening. Very beautiful young lady, but we could see the bruises all over her body and even the fading ones from the former acts of abuse by her husband, no exaggerations now she's even educated and knew the implication of making a report like that under the law even though she was not very versed with the provisions of law but she knew that it had implications and so immediately she brought the the complaints before we could take steps in accordance with the provisions of the violence against persons prohibition act she already made her demand like she would not want to take this too seriously Those were her words. She didn't want it to become um, a court case, according to her. She didn't want us to take legal actions against her husband for what he had done. She just wanted, more like she just wanted us to be able to bro-beat the husband, threaten him and um, make him realize that what he has done, what he has been doing to her is wrong, admit his fault and then make him stop abusing her. That was what she wanted in essence. That was when we knew that, okay, this is a very sensitive case and not something we'll be able to, and uh, we knew that there will be a reason for that. It was later when the man came into the commission with his lawyer, because we had to, we ended up having to just summon him. Instead of taking the necessary steps we should have taken, we summoned him to the commission. He came in with his lawyer, who happens to be like a father figure for them. And immediately got to the commission started um, threatening to divorce her and then the lawyer too joined in and started talking about how the woman is ungrateful and being unnecessarily jealous then he mentioned how the man is the only breadwinner in the family at the moment and the woman only has a shop that is not even making profits and that the man has been putting in so much effort to get her a paying job, a well-paying job. And the woman is not appreciative and should have just ignored all of her husband's other excesses. Apparently, the problem in their marriage was his acts of infidelity. And the lawyer was talking about how the woman should have stopped blocking her husband every time he tries to go out in the evening or arguing with him every time she sees a text message from his mistress on his phone. I mean, it was very obvious that from the man's threat of getting a divorce because the woman embarrassed him by coming to the commission, it was very obvious that the reason why she mentioned from the beginning that she didn't want it to become a court case or she didn't want us to take legal actions against him was because he was the breadwinner of the family. He was the one making provision, and she, didn't, she knew he was going to threaten her with a divorce. So she had already preempted that and she had already made that demand on the commission. They have three kids. And from my from my chat with her, private chat with her later, I later realized that she was scared of the fact that because okay, before I even chatted her or privately, she called us a few days later. After the old drama about um threatening to divorce her, she called a few days later to say she wanted to drop the case because their family had intervened and her godmother had advised her. And then I had to chat her all privately, and her fear was that if it comes to getting a divorce, she won't have the financial ability to be able to fight for the custody of her children. And even if she succeeds by some grace to get the custody of her children, she will not have the financial ability to, to meet up with her upkeep and the upkeep for herself i mean she's already used to being living the average rich nigerian life and she just couldn't imagine having to 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 start from the beginning again and that was just it long story short these two reasons tend to be that is shame the shame that women think comes with being a divorced lady and the fear of the unknown after divorce. And they tend to be the reasons why some women just decide to keep their, their misery to themselves. They just decide to endure the relationship instead of speaking out about their abusive relationship. So they choose to stay in the marriage and not speak up. That is just it.
3: prevent violence against women before it happens. It means tackling the root causes of violence, working with men and boys to end power over women, which is often normalized and justified. Transforming these root causes and preventing violence needs political commitment and leadership, laws and policies that promote gender equality, investments in women's organizations and resources for prevention work. But prevention also starts with you. You can start by educating yourself, speak out when you get a chance, advocate for survivor's rights, and always listen to survivors. Preventing violence against women and girls before it actually happens is the most effective way of ending it. So let's start
1: now.
0: In subsequent episodes, we'll examine the role of religion and domestic violence, how victims of domestic violence can legally defend themselves even when they have no funds and other interesting topics. Please do well to like, comment, and share this podcast to your friends and family. We say no to domestic violence. Thank you for taking our time to listen. I am your host, Eneo Asukor, of the Meeting with Exit podcast.
1: And I am Abigail Ongwe of Talking Out with Abitalko podcast. Oh
0: Silence Aids Violence is a podcast series on domestic violence against women in marriage.
1: We seek to educate, enlighten, and speak up against domestic violence.
0: I am your host, neo Asuko, of the Meeting with an Exit podcast,
1: and I am Abigail Onwe of Talk It Out with Abiturka podcast.
0: Domestic violence usually have a long term negative effect on female survivors. Do you also know that children are indirectly victims of domestic violence? Comfort James, a psychologist, gives us more perspective into this effect.
4: Domestic violence can significantly impact a survivor's mental health and stability. Some of this effect could be short-term or even long-term. We have increased anxiety, that could also lead to anxiety and insomnia. Such person can't sleep, such person can be in a relaxed state because they are flashbacks, their thoughts, and all form of negative feelings. Then post-traumatic stress disorder. This is a kind of this is a psychological disorder that comes after, an, after a very traumatic incident or experience. There are some people that go to war, they come back and they suffer post-traumatic stress disorder. Some people are raped and they suffer it as well. So the beatings, the battery, the all of the violent actions make such person become traumatized. And even though they are survivors, they are still battered, they are still broken. There's a feeling of low self-esteem. There's a feeling of worthlessness. So eventually, in most cases, some sort of people become depressed. And we know what depression is. A feeling of hopelessness, worthlessness. You don't feel like doing anything. You're not interested in doing anything. You feel less of a person. You just feel like, what's the essence of my life? Why am I in existence? So you could go that far. That's one of the long-term or the major long-term effects.
0: You will be hearing comments gathered by Abigo on the possible long-term effect of domestic violence on victims, both women and children.
1: So yes, we're going to be taking some thoughts from people who randomly answered some questions. Um, this is from Helen Ayerwo. She says that long-term effects include PTSD and lack of trust for other people, even when they have good intentions. Domestic violence victims go through trauma that may even last a lifetime. Children who have experienced this grow up hating men or women depends on how the abuser was. Also, a child that grew up in an abusive marriage may emulate such vices, even without knowing. This will result in them being ill-tempered and believing that they can solve every problem with their fists. A person coming from an abusive family may also lack communication skills, except they decide to work on themselves, watch parents who cannot... Sorry, watching parents who cannot set two differences by talking about it will rob a child of the knowledge of the power of good communication. Obviously, an abusive family is one devoid of love. The child growing up there will not know how to love or how to receive it. Hmm. Except they decide to change their mindset and learn something different. These kinds of ladies will give birth to children whom they will teach that physical abuse is okay creating a more psychologically warped society. This one comes from um a fellow podcaster. Her name is Confy She says, Personally, trauma isn't something that goes away quickly. It's deep. Secondly, some people sustain injuries and scares that they nurse throughout their lifetime. Then this feeling of being worthless that takes a whole lot of time to remedy. Number two, children often get it hard to Some even suffer the abuse themselves, seeing as their mom or dad, whichever is the victim, can't protect them in other cases the children are main targets of abuse some become so mentally and emotionally exhausted they no longer believe in love or happy families some are so used to it they do not see any other type of relationship as being valid Hmm. some decide to go on a rampage inflicting pain and venom on whoever they come across while yet others are so angry at the perpetrator they end up being like the same abuser whom they hate wow nice opinion comfy very nice opinion this one is coming from um happiness ibrahim she says the mental health effects of domestic violence are likely to be severe and long-lasting exposure to violence and abuse increases one's risk of experiencing post-traumatic stress disorder depression anxiety substance abuse and suicidal behaviors secondly children who witness domestic violence are victims of it are at serious weeks of long-term physical and mental health problems children who witness violence may also become violent in their future relationships nice one thank you very much
0: Religion, according to most persons, is one of the major costs of why most women stay in an abusive marriage. We will be looking at it from the Christian angle. To shed more light on this, I had a conversation with Mr. Peter Taiwo. Now, when Osinachi of Blessed Memory died, Nigerians started tweeting and people started talking about their experiences of friends and family. Some blame the church, some blame the Christian religion as one of the cause of uh, women tolerating abuse in marriage you know I was read a tweet where someone would say um, that they, they drive home this, till that, do us part while some when they know they're supposed to speak up or walk away when they go to churches or see their pastors they tell you to you not know, keep praying for your husband the God is in control and all manner of you know things that they say and most women die in the process so, does the Christian religion or does the church contribute indirectly or directly, you know, in you know promoting domestic violence against women in marriage?
5: Yeah, thank you very much for that question. And to answer that, I would like to first make clear that ignorance is not an excuse, first. And secondly, before I answer that, I would like to make us understand that we blame the church for a lot of things. Even if the church has fought out many things, we usually we usually find it easy to blame the church for whatever is connected to the church. Yes, we understand that marriage is something that is created by God, ordained by God, and many people who go into this, which the church have to join them. But if we really understand it, there are other places in the part of the world that get married and they are not Christians. They get married; they don't even have religions. They are traditional. They so and they also experience the same thing so are we not going to say the church took it there too i will come back to where the church has the fault but i want us to first understand that in this part of the world we easily find it we we easily find it comfortable to put the blame on a church for a lot of things that is our fault first if the if a fire is burning And you are told to dip your hand into it you will not because you know it's fire so the one thing i believe is no one can make you do what you don't want to do it's that simple but i understand that in this part of the world also we tend to look at our spiritual leaders as people to direct us and put us through in different ways and which i understand and it can have an effect when we so much put everything to their hands When we expect them to make decisions for us decisions that we can make by ourselves first we are the ones putting on the shoes so we know where it's pinching us we should be able to make those decisions decision ourselves they can only help us influence our decision and we can decide if that much influence they have on the decision is okay or not well the church has a fault when it comes to marriage because they teach it from a dimension of the husband is the head yes not all churches let me put it that way. not all churches some parts of the church because i've been to other churches where they teach marriage very well and you understand it and i've been to churches where the marriage is not taught very well you can even see much making in different churches where they pick a man and say this is what God says you should marry, pick a lady which God says you should marry, you don't even know the lady, there are characters which you can't,
0: compatibility.
5: compatibility is not there but because you are told and this is a pastor, you believe he's coming from God, yeah. for crying out loud he is not God, I'm a believer, We should have our personal convictions. Mm. What your pastor is telling you should only direct you or point you or to confirm something. If you as a pastor come to tell me this is who God said I should marry, definitely I have to go back to God and confirm it. If it's not being confirmed by God, I can't jump into it. It's as simple as that. So when you get into marriage is where you now begin to realize that this is not the kind of marriage you want. There is domestic violence. You go home and the pastor is telling you, endure, do this, do that. Instead of calling the man into order, we have churches who will tell you, keep praying. That's common in Nigeria. When you have a problem, they tell you to go and pray. As much as prayer is not everything, yes. There are but matters in which prayer only is the answer or can solve there is no alternative we agree on that but we know also that prayer is not everything so the church has the fault in how they teach marriage yes that's simple some churches teach marriage in the wrong pattern in the wrong way while some teach it very well because i learned about marriage from men of god and it's it's really helpful and when i hear other counselors talking about marriage it's almost similar to that So. Looking at marriage from the church perspective, we will say the, the, there's a fault in it. Who is the church? Let's, let's start with that. Who is the church? The church is not just the pastor, the church is, is the, are the people in the church. Now, when you are a divorced minister, the way people will look at you and judge you is different from the way the just one that is not divorced, which is where most of the faults are coming from. Where a lady will want to sit down in a marriage that is threatening to her life. And she will still sit down there because why she's a minister. This is my own personal opinion, I'm not saying it's general, people should accept it, it's something personal. Okay, because I've, I've, I've had the opportunity to spend a long period of time in three different churches and I've seen similar things like this. I'm not going to mention names of these churches. So, where you are going through a lot, they expect you to sit down there and endure. And they open Bible passages to tell you God did not promise us a life free of tribulation. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's so funny. Like, he, he didn't promise a life free of tribulation. Also, He promised you a good life, too. Yeah. So, why should you just sit down and focus on that aspect? And I, if you will notice it, in the old Nollywood movies, how they preach Christianity is actually how. We see it in marriages too. A believer is meant to be like this. There is a picture they are painting. Are you trying to prove you are spiritual? You are a believer. You trust God. You you go through those things. And like I said, ignorance is not an excuse. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 says, my people perish because of lack of knowledge. So if you don't have the knowledge, to know that marriage is, is from God. Yes go back to god and ask him what's he saying about this marriage you say whatever we take you to sin cut it off if your marriage will cause you to sin cut it off divorce is not a sin apostle paul said this in corinthians and one thing i believe is if there's problem in the marriage separation for a while can can bring sense to to both parties so waiting and depending on the church this is how people see things this is how people see that i also blame the victims. Yes, I'll blame the victims because why should you care about what people will say? Yes, that's why I say ignorance is not an excuse. Why should you care about what people will say? If it's not comfortable for you, please step outside. If If people laugh at you, that's them. It's just for a matter of time. One thing I keep telling people is your body can take any shame and any pain. It's your mind that cannot. So you need to train your mind to be able to take whatever shame and pain that is coming. The Bible says, "Looking unto Jesus, the Author and Finisher of our faith," meaning the model that you are required to look at as a Christian. I believe believers follow Jesus. So if you are looking at Jesus, who is the Author and Finisher of your faith, so you look at. See, if you read the Bible very well, there were times when Jesus got angry. There were times where he was hungry. There were times he got to the synagogue and saw people selling in the church. He did not sit down with them and say and this is how he, should, he took a can and flogged them so this means this this means that there are things that when it's not comfortable for you you address it the way it should forget who is looking at you forget even okay most of the time you go to your pastor to um, solve a problem for in your marriage you are fighting your accordingly who told you your pastor has a perfect marriage who told you that it's as simple as that so i believe It's not just the fault of the church. Yes, the church has a very big role to play because people look up to them. Mm -hmm. So I believe the church should step into the area where they talk to the men the most because I believe personally, this is a personal belief and opinion that if the men are taught well on marriage, they will have more successful marriages because why? It's in their hands. Yes, it's in their hands. A A woman is designed by default to endure with you. So I don't see it why you will, you will pick up yourself and maltreat her. When you, when you speak a woman's language in different forms, let me tell you, submission comes natural. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. I hope I've been able to answer the question in the best way I can, to the best of my understanding of what that question yeah.
0: is thank you but but before before we go so the bottom line is this aside from the fact that the church has a responsibility that most times uh, most women act out of ignorance yes
5: out of ignorance because why you believe if i have a failed marriage what will people say who cares you're the one putting on the shoe who cares they they believe of this is how we should be that's how it should be look at yourself sometimes put yourself forward first the bible says, love your neighbor as yourself not more than yourself
0: and in in like uh, like i saw that tweet where someone said that uh, once possibly you're a divorcee or you separate from your husband and church that they begin to take you away from some things maybe some offices that you had in church and most people endure this thing uh, because they don't want to lose such a thing so how can the church manage such whereby uh, even though someone is divorced due to, you know, domestic violence or reasons best known to them, we still show them this love. I don't even know if you get what I'm saying. Yes. You know, instead of you losing your office position and some other things, how can we, you know, embrace them, show them love so that people will also be bold enough to speak up? Most times, people complain about this. You know, I, I read some tweets about this. How can the church, you know, manage this situation?
5: Yeah, thank you. I also saw most of that online. Now the thing there is, you said something, you said how can the church show the love to build this and that? And it hit me like, yes, I've not been to the whole churches in Nigeria, yes, but I've been to some. What I'm going to say is, it dies back to Christianity. What kind of Christianity is a church preaching? Because the Christianity, I know, is not a religion. But if the treat it as a religion, what are they preaching? Because Christianity should be a message of love. That's what Jesus came to preach, that's what he came to show, love. But it's not love that they are preaching if you are preaching love all this will not be happening when a divorcee is seen as someone that is incompetent why should you use the failure of someone's home to judge them people can fail in A and B and be perfect in C and D yes I might be good in mathematics and bad in English and I might be bad in mathematics and also be good in English So you can't have it all. So sometimes it's not just about the messages that have been preached in church about tithing, growth, growth. They should teach relationship, teach how to uh, human management, how to manage relationships, how to treat people. These are the kind of things that should be taught. When you look at how Jesus was teaching in the Bible, if you read it very well, you will see that most things he taught, he taught about all these things, how you should treat one another. But these are stuffs that are not taught in many churches. Not, I know that there are churches that spend the time and teach this. There are even men of God we see online that people post their videos and they teach about these things. So it's the job of the church to teach the members not to judge people by their failures. We should learn empathy. Most churches, that's the members of different churches, lack empathy. We should be human. We are first human before anything. We are first human. We noticed this when Jesus as a God came on earth to become a man. We saw a lot of things there. We saw where his humanity showed. So we are all human. So we should learn to watch, show sympathy, sympathize with people. Even for the fact that Jesus knew he was going to go and raise Lazarus. Because I believe he knew. Based on the prayer, he said, you always answer me. I know you always answer me. And I know you answer me. That was a prayer he prayed before raising Nazareth. But before then, John eleven thirty five said what Jesus wept, meaning we should learn to sympathize with people. The church should teach this often. Let people know that you should sympathize with people. That a person who failed in marriage is not the end of the world. Apostle Paul said this in the Bible. You can marry, and if you choose, don't marry. And he said you can divorce. So we should just learn to let the people understand this, so they don't judge people by the failure of their. Marriages.
0: All right, thank you very much, Mr. Peter Atayo. <laughs> the church is a powerful voice to help speak against domestic violence in marriage. So we appeal to religious leaders to help speak against domestic violence and uh, survivors who are church members should be showed more love and support. Most women stay and tolerate abusive marriage due to lack of knowledge. They lack the position of the law on it and how they can protect themselves. Barrister Biola, once again, of the Human Rights Commission of Nigeria, sheds more light.
2: Like I mentioned before, abuse, especially domestic abuse, is a criminal offense in Nigeria. And for victims of abuse that are trying to fight for their life or for their rights, especially the educationally and financially disadvantaged ones, the first thing to do is to make a report of the case of abuse to the police, or in the case of legal state, to the Legal State domestic sexual and violence response team. That's the body that's been laid down by the legal state government for cases of domestic violence and abuse. And aside from that, because people tend to have this aversion to the police, they are a number of bodies that have been established by law in Nigeria that also take up the cases of abuse victims. One of them is FIDA. That's the International Federation of Women Lawyers. The French acronym is FIDA. And then you have the National Human Rights Commission and you have the Legal Aid Council of Nigeria. These bodies are established to help the disadvantaged in nigeria to be able to get the legal representation they need in time so when a victim of abuse is ready to actually speak out and fight for their life or fight for their rights they can approach any of these bodies and then they will pick up their case and ensure that they get justice and where like um the example i give some some victims don't actually want a criminal case they just want out of the relationship so these bodies can also are also established to help them get legal representation in court. If the victim is um, legally married to the to the perpetrator of this abuse, then the victim can go for divorce. These bodies are established to give them help them find legal representation at no cost or very low cost. They can give them legal advice on how to go about getting a divorce, and if they are scared of not getting custody of their children or uh, having financial aid after the divorce, then these bodies will also help them get all of that sorted out. So there are are options available to victims of abuse. Their, Their only choice is not to stay in the relationship just because they are financially incapable or they are not educated enough to know what their right is, they can approach in any of these bodies or go to the police to make a report and they will see that their case will be taken up.
0: If you are a perpetrator and you think there is no legal consequence, you should really think twice. Well,
2: the law has made provisions to protect women from domestic violence in different ways. I mean there are different laws that have been established for just for the sake of protection of women and the and every other victim of domestic violence from such acts. Some of the laws that have been laid down are the violence against persons prohibition act of twenty fifteen, which has been passed into law in some states like Anambra Bauchi, Enugu, Kaduna, Oyo, and Ondo states they've adopted this law as this act as laws in their states. And then you have the protection against domestic law of Lagos state. That's the Lagos state protection against domestic violence law. Then you have the gender-based violence law of equity state. You have the protection against domestic violence law of Ebonyi state. That one is that one was um enacted in 2017, then the Cross River Domestic Violence and Maltreatment of Widows Prohibition Law. These are some of the laws that have been put in place to protect the rights of women, to protect them from domestic violence. There are also international instruments, including the Convention on the, uh, on the Elimination of All Forms of Discrimination Against Women, and the African Charter on Human and People's Rights. All these laws, all these laws and, instru- and international instruments have been put in place to protect the rights of women, to protect them from domestic violence. Then, when you study some of these laws, you realize that the provision of the laws don't just provide protection for women. After the act has been committed, it also stipulates punishment for attempts of the act. Like the VAP Act that I stated before, that's the Violence Against Persons Prohibition Act of 2015, states that an attempt to commit the act of spousal battery attracts imprisonment not exceeding one year or a fine not exceeding 100,000 years or depending on the circumstances of the case, both, that is, probably um, imprisonment of one year and a fine of 100,000 lira. Also, it goes for to provide that anyone who incites another, that is anybody that incites another person or aids or covers up for someone that has committed the offense of domestic violence, we attract a jail term not exceeding two years or a fine not exceeding 200,000 lira or both. These are these are ways that the law has protected women from domestic violence. But the some people know that just the attempts and not the act alone is punishable under law, they will, it, it will restrain them in some ways from inflicting injury, whether physical or mental or emotional, and on on people they see as their victim. Also, the legal state protection against domestic violence law goes further; it's even went further than the VAP Act to provide that the victim of abuse can seek for protection order in the High Court or Magistrate Court and a third party is not just the victim that can seek for this order because there are sometimes that the victim might out of fear not be able to act or they are just incapacitated in one way or the other so it provides that a third party can even file for this on behalf of the victim. It could be a counselor, it could be a health service provider, or a member of the Nigerian police force, or a social worker, or even a teacher in school that has noticed that a student is being abused. So these are ways that the law has provided protection for women when it comes to domestic violence.
1: There are non-governmental organizations who have taken up the mantle of speaking up supporting and protecting women who actually suffer from domestic abuse we'll mention a few and how you can contact them the first one here is um clean foundation the Clean foundation is one of the most popular foundations in nigeria because their research and their works in the area of domestic violence has served as an eye-opener to many people about the rise of the cases of domestic violence across the nation uh, I think it has its um, headquarters in Abuja, yes, in Abuja, and its branches are in places like Edo, Lagos, Ibadan. Uh, the address for the Abuja branch is 26 Bameda Crescent, Wuse Zone 3, Abuja. Their phone number is 0706 7899368. 0706 You can also reach them on their website www.clean.org. Um, their um, spelling is C-L-E-E-N, that's the claim, dot O-R-G. Also, we have Acts Generation. Acts is one of Nigerian's new NGOs that is fully devoted to fighting against domestic violence and abuse in Nigeria. Apart from domestic violence issues, this foundation is also engaged in you know, supporting those with mental-related issues. Their website is www.actsgeneration.org. Okay, www.axgeneration.org. Do you understand? Ax Generation. Ax has an S. Okay. Um, phone number 0033951460, 0033951460. Uh, If you're listening to this podcast and you basically have troubles with all these things, this is the best time to actually pick up one of these NGOs and contact them. Their email is axgeneration two thousand and seven at gmail.com we also have crime victims foundation nigeria at as crevy phone yeah now this is an ngo that was formally by well meaning individuals to support victims of domestic violence to fight for justice they are also engaged in other gender related issues their phone number is 08050314317 08050314317 their email address they are, I think they are, we have like three but I'm going to drop two for you Gloria Egbuji two thousand and three Egbuji is E G B U J I two thousand and three at yahoo.co.uk then you can also reach Stephen um yeah Stephen Sarah eighty two Stephen ph at yahoo.com Okay, we also have um, others other NGOs like that, but I think these three should be enough. If you need more, you can easily just contact, and Nayo or myself to get details.
0: And that brings us to the end of the podcast series Silence Eyes Violence. If you have not listened to the first episode, do well to listen. We encourage every abused woman to speak up, as silence Eyes violence. We appreciate all contributors for the success of this series. Please do well to like, comment and share this podcast to your friends and family. We say no to domestic violence.